Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study with uh, myself and with Rick. Hope you're enjoying this because we're having a lot of fun. Um, We're going to enter chapter 2 in just a bit, but we really rushed by the end of chapter 1. And I'm going to hand it over to Rick to pick up a couple of points. Okay, when we close out the the last lesson, we were talking the last few verses of chapter 1. And... um, Jesus being moved with compassion, stretched out and healed, healed the leper. And we kind of opened that mm-hmm. up to, you know, God absorbing the, the sin, the pain of the individual. But, he, but also when he, when he touched him, if Jesus turned around and touched somebody, that defilement would not go from Jesus to them if that makes sense. And so in, in effect, what he did was, was squash that sin. I mean, he took it out of existence. He took it out of the realm of it passing on to someone else. And there was one other, and this is going to come up somewhere down the line of our discussion. You, we remember the, uh, the woman um, with the issue of blood. Yes, we'll run into and, her. Uh, and she was in the crowd. Okay, so just think of her being, sitting where you are in the audience, wherever you are, in your job, wherever. And she'd heard about Jesus, what he'd done these are credible sources and she's saying i've been to every doctor i've been to every specialist which implies to us that she was somebody of means uh, um when he starts looking out so so this was somebody that was used to being able to get access to things and nothing made her better she was getting worse when she touched jesus instantly she was she knew she was made whole she knew it her body but then also at the immediate same time jesus said wait a minute somebody touched me because he perceived that virtue had gone out of him but we remember from the text that he's surrounded by a whole lot of people and they were thronging Mm -hmm. and they're moving through so all this touching was happening but when she touched the hem of his robe the tassel basically Mm -hmm. of his robe he realized that somebody that had faith that needed me found their way to the source. And he realized that virtue had gone out of him. It cost Jesus something to heal. And so if we're going to have an impact as a Christian in our family, in our friends, in our close circles, in the bigger circles, then it's going to cost us something. But what it cost us, we don't lose. You know, um, whatever it is, we we don't lose because God has to keep filling us, or either we run out of the ability to help. Uh, okay, and so whatever we're doing, He's got to keep filling in. And at the same time, when you enter into other people's pain, and that's part of the reason why we can't get through many of the challenges of this life is that we're not willing to enter into that person's journey, enter into that pain and walk with them. I'll, I'll help them from a distance if I can. I'll do this, and if I 
can't, I, I will know that I try. Oh, he entered into it, you know, and, and walked through, and, and he felt that virtue I got out of him. And that's also part of the reason why we get to the, the thing we already talked about, him needing rest, the apostles need rest, right. uh, um, because he took this on himself. We're trying to fix problems by throwing money at a problem as a government of the country when money isn't the necessary thing that's needed. Maybe it's love and compassion. Now, you, money, we need money to go do it, sure. but it's the money and compassion. Well, that's where this thing of Christianity becomes very important because we're not peddling the government's line. We're peddling what Jesus is trying to do. We're trying to, to bring that. And they say, but I, is it going to wear me down? Yeah, but Jesus said, but I'm the one that's going to fill you. And so you, you're going to come out of this better than you went in, but you don't know it till you get into the process. And I think that that's, that's critical. And, and, and we're going to see it because we've got other things coming up in the tech. But that's important for, for marriages, for homes, for raising children, for developing a congregation, for developing a house church where you are, for becoming a different person than when you as is realized it's going to cost. But Jesus is the one that can bring joy to me out of that pain I dealt by staying with my brother and my sister and helping them down. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to stop halfway through because I got to. This, this was one of my favorite stories as a boy. One of them was because these guys actually dismantled <laughs> a roof <laughs> during church services <laughs> And they didn't get in trouble. And I'm thinking, I can't chew gum. You know, I, I get in trouble if I'm doing that. I just, I, I want you to picture it now. I've, and I've not watched The Chosen. We have the first season on DVD. It's just been so busy. And I hear great things about it. And I hear they do this story well. They do it good. And in Chosen, I think what I've been told is that it's a recent injury that's paralyzed him. You know, maybe they worked with him. He fell off a roof or something. Well, here he is. People are packed in there. I have been in churches that were so packed that there were no more seats. My father had a great love for Appalachia. And at times we would be in a poor place. They'd prop up open windows that weren't windows. They were boards. They'd prop them up with another board to get some air in. And people would be standing around the outside trying to listen. Even a mule stuck its head in once, which made my day. I, I got to tell you, uh, finally, something cool had happened at church. Um, here, it's so full, they bring him. They, they can't get him to Jesus. So they make an opening in a roof. Now, there were a lot of ways to build houses. I, I think of the thatch that's in some British houses where it, it'd be some work to pull that off. And I would assume they're not quite that thick. But there would have been dust coming down. There would have been noise coming down. And then here you are preaching. And right in front of you, this little... <laughs> He's being lowered through the roof. I mean, how disruptive can you be? And as a, as a kid, disruption was, the, was a terrible sin. You couldn't... You, no, you weren't supposed to 
say anything or ask a question or play with a car or whatever. You had to be solemn and quiet in church. If this had happened in one of our churches, there would have been an uproar. But Jesus' first thought was to forgive his sins. Mm -hmm. And that's really, let's talk about that. What is your first response when somebody cuts you off in traffic? What is your first response when a workman doesn't do the job right? What is your go-to instinctive reaction, your reflex action? Like the doctor hits you and you got reflexes and it does that. Um, they used to do that a whole lot more. I'm not really sure why they did it then or now, but what is your reflexive, re, uh, what, is your, what is your response? Jesus' first response to meeting anybody was to forgive them. And even before he got here, the angel saying, peace on earth, goodwill to men. As later as he's dying on the cross, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The one thing that you need to be certain of today is that Jesus forgives even you. Because that's who he is. That's what he does. He's a forgiver. The healing, that could happen. But that's not the first thing he thinks of. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to say anything before we go on and read the rest of the story? I'm, I'm good. I think you're, you, good? You, you're, you're moving with it. Okay. <laughs> and some teachers of the law were sitting, oh boy, church people, <laughs> thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, and you talked about the pouring in of the spirit, that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Had to have freaked them out. Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like it. Now, I can't help. Did you notice when he healed him, he said, get out of church? <laughs> get, get out of this meeting? I wonder if there was about to be a church fight with these guys. <laughs> I remember when I first came to America, there was a fellow speaking, and I won't use names, but a fellow speaking who was part of my religious tribe, but considered an enemy by those of us on the very, very far right of our tribe. And he was speaking just a, a few hours away at a camp for another denomination. And I thought, well, I got to go see him. So I drove over. There they were outside under this big, um, kind of like a picnic shelter, but bigger. And people were packed in there to listen to him. And I saw near the back, I don't know, five or six guys, short haircuts, white short sleeve shirts, ties like this. And I knew they're from my tribe. They're from my part of my tribe, the sub-tribe. But I, I sometimes call the Taliban wing of our tribe. <laughs> and the scowls on their face and such, it broke my heart to realize that those are the ones I recognize as my people. And by the way, later on, they wrote him up for what he said. And I read what they wrote, and it wasn't true. Because I had the tape. I had this back in the day, a cassette tape. And I had taped it so I could hear it again. 
And that's, that was one of those bricks in the wall that fell out. You know, I didn't have a conversion on the road to Damascus. I had a whole lot of cracks that slowly opened me up to saying, wait a minute, I might not be on the right team. You know, um, but here, this just, you know, why does this fellow, I can see him sitting back there with short sleeve white shirts. They didn't wear those. And I was going, why is this fellow, you know, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus looking at him saying, what's harder to say? Sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Let's see. I mean, it's humorous. It's hilarious. It's wonderful. And I just, I just love this story. Unfortunately, uh, um, for so many people globally, and, and I'm in I'm in the U.S., so I I'm more specific with this part, less specific about other parts, but have a general good understanding of how it works, and um, and they they in the text it is apparent that we know that they were going that that Jesus was starting to ascend. He, I mean, his it was becoming very obvious. That, that he's not one of them. Matter of fact, they started yeah. saying that he doesn't teach like the scribes and Pharisees. He's, he's not them. But it's as if he is God. It's, it's because he's not, we, we're positive he's not this. As a matter of fact, now that we see him, we're not crazy about them anymore. And that becomes an issue of human, of human life. And when you are uh, birthed into, because most people in most countries are birthed into a faith tradition. They didn't, initially, they didn't pick it or choose it. You just go where your parents went or stuff like that, and it becomes yours until whatever happens. You start thinking, you start wondering, you start asking, you get married. A lot of things happen, and you, you, you go on your road. But um, they, they, they wanted to start minimizing him even then when he hadn't even come close yeah. to getting them to what he really wanted them to see, what it was going to be about. And that the meanness um, of a legalistic heart, a sectarian heart that, that says, if you don't do this the way I say it has to be done, you don't have an authentic relationship with God. You don't have a transparent, real um, relationship with God is to put ourselves in the place of God and and that is dangerous stuff but it it gets taught into you beat into you and threatened into you enough that many people lose their integrity for God trying to keep physical yeah. relationships happy or right or to keep a paycheck coming or to prevent a church from tearing up or to go ahead and decide we're going to tear this in this church up and we never stop to go back to where where is God in all of this mm -hmm. and what is he doing basically came back okay well what is it better for me to, to say you know uh, you know take up your bed and walk or you know another version of the thing I'm saying the same thing I'm still going to be to be God and so our job is to let God be God and he's constantly putting us through the challenges of life when we try to dethrone him in our own lives and then in the lives of others um, if, if I can divert you to 
supporting a particular doctrine or dogma of a church that has nothing to do with what God is doing in this world, I effectively take you out of God's usage for a good chunk of your life, part of your life, part of your days, part of your week, because I have you over here doing something that has nothing to do with where God is trying to go. It's not that God forgot about you. It's not that God has given up on you. And it's not that God is going to crush you. It is the fact that God can't use you. There you go. And one of the worst realities, and I know this will come up in some of our classes, is for God to go to his people and say, this is what I want you to do for them to say no and for him to go get a heathen mm -hmm. that does not and will tell you and you all know because we've all seen cases that I don't believe in God but when I saw this I knew it wasn't wrong and I had to act mm -hmm. and to have somebody do that when we were standing on the side saying I'm not going to do it because I don't believe what they're saying and they're not with us anymore. Yeah. What in the world are we doing yeah. to people you know with God? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have seen and you have seen um, many people and church leaders and churches become ungodly in their defense of God because they think God wants this order in worship or God wants this particular doctrine. And to push that, they will, they will, break, they will break with Christ's spirit and become unchristlike toward others. And they're saying, I'm defending the church. When, no, if you can't defend it with the love and mercy of Jesus, then don't defend it. You know, it's, um, I've seen people split churches. Well, in fact, as you know, almost every church split is led by somebody who says, well, you guys aren't, aren't following God right, and I know how to follow him. Mm -hmm. And then they cause a division, which God said, don't do that. You know, it's we we crucify Christ claiming we're protecting him. Mm -hmm. And it's just it's it's terrible. But this one, this is a win. Now, because of the nature of Mark, we're not going to get any follow up on this story because it's it's uh, <laughs> the others will fill in gaps. But Mark, um, Peter, if he's who Mark is writing down here, mm -hmm. just like, oh, got another one. Um, and this other one is. Is pretty amazing as well. Did I read or you? I think you read, didn't you? I did. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll start at verse 13 then. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Wow, let's just, there are several things in here. First of all, Levi, son of Alphaeus, is a tax collector. He would be collecting taxes, most likely just for the Romans. It's a possibility there's a temple tax there. But other disciples that Jesus has called as apostles were zealots. They carried weapons hidden illegally so they could 
strike at anyone who compromised with the Roman government. Uh, and now you've got a tax collector and you've got two guys that are part of a political party whose job it is to commit violence against tax collectors. And Jesus is putting them all in one. I wonder how long it took Levi, also known as Matthew, to get a good night's sleep. But Jesus isn't doing this by accident. He's showing us he trumps our politics. He trumps our ideas about what is right and proper. And then he does something very shocking. We don't get this. We, we just don't get the power of this. If you are eating with somebody in the first century, you are fellowshipping them and you're placing yourself on an equal footing with them. You are who you eat with. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus was getting drunk or collecting taxes or any of the other. What it means is, even when they were in that situation, Jesus' love was coming over them. As you were talking about last week, I think it was, um, or the week before, about how he takes the pain away, the sin away. Um, but anyway, there's so much here, and I know you've got to have some... Yeah, they... Um... At verse 17, okay. when he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I did not come to call the righteous. I did not come to call those who think they are righteous, yeah. is the way we need to understand yeah. what we're reading. I did not come to call them the righteous those that think they are right, but sinners to repentance. And what he was telling them is that I know you think you're righteous, but you're not. And I came to call you just like I did everyone else. And so the people, the person that you're trying to keep me from helping are the very ones that are going to be helping you. So you really need to get out of my way <laughs> and let me bless them so I can turn around and bless you through them, you know, and, um, you know, and when you look at the irony, you know, and, and, and the laugh, because people who tend to be, people who tend to be legalistic and sectarian, those who fall into that, and, and I'm not talking about prison because I have been there. Me too. I, I, I have been, Me too. I have, have been there uh, and until it was clear th that this is not where God was in the text of the Bible and moving us. And, um, and so I know what that feels like. A and um, to be able to say that, okay, the reason that we're righteous is because of this over here and not because we let Christ do what God does through us. Okay. And so that's uh, just a significant and important thing. And th the tax collectors, the people on the street, those are why, well, and at that time, um, for those in our audience who don't know, be, because we're talking about what tax collectors did then. Mm -hmm. and, and they were basically emissaries of, of the throne. Yep. And, um, and they, um, if these kind of tax collectors were alive today, all of us would be in arms still today. Because basically what the king said was, okay, I need $1,000, I need $1,000. Well, I, I need a hundred dollars from from this 
land out here, this block, this house. I need $100. Now, whatever you collect over that, yep. you go ahead and keep, but you make sure I get my $100. And, and I'm not going to mess with you about how you go about and do it. Exactly. And as long as you hold me up and tell them the king's got a right to do it, we got to take care of the king, we got to handle that. So as long as you take care of that and I don't have any problems, you go, you go get your money. That's what we're telling them. And that's exactly what they did. Okay, so now that those of you that are hearing me now, you said, sounds like today. Sound like the stuff <laughs> we're going through today. Sound like the problem we have today. It sounds like it because it does. It's, it's exactly there. It's almost as if, if we haven't grown enough. It's almost as if we haven't grown enough. And, um, and so the people then were reacting to the fact that, you know, we don't need you when you, we need we need God. We need what God is trying to do in us or Christ what he's trying to do in us. And for us to grab that, if we grab nothing else from this lesson, is is the greatest gem out there because we're allowing the kingdom to work. Uh, um and we're we're allowing this not not a church to work but we are allowing the kingdom to work. And as a church, we are part of that kingdom if we're allowing God to use us. And so we have the full weight and force behind it. And, um, and so those that thought they were righteous were the very ones. That I, you think I came for them, and I really did, but I, I came to you first because before I, because their situation is bad, yours is worse, and you think you have the end result already. Yeah. The, the, the hypocrisy. Uh, of a person to stand uh, in uh, defiance of what God is doing in another person's life. You know? Absolutely. In fact, I think that Jesus was being intentionally funny here because it's kind of, he's sitting, remember, he's sitting with all these people and these teachers of the law standing over the guy. We do not approve of this. And Jesus is going, oh, I, I'm, I know. I just came for sinners, not for you guys that have everything already sorted out in your life. I guarantee you the people around the table were laughing because they knew these guys weren't perfect. They knew, but these people, and, and if you were to isolate one of them and say, are you perfect? Their natural humility would require them to say no. Mm -hmm. But we have this tendency of my sins are minor, small, and understandable. Your sins are terrible. Mm -hmm. And just, as one person put it to me, my dirt's, your dirt's dirty, mine isn't. And going, no, that's not the way this works. Not the way it works at all. Uh, well, that's anything else you got there before we, we look at the, the next part? Uh, starting at verse 18. Yes, please. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. 
but new wine must be put into new wine skins. Oh. Well, I often wonder, how did they know Jesus' disciples weren't fasting unless it was on a particular day that they had declared you fast on this day? Because um, Jesus had made it plain in a Sermon on the Mount, which probably hadn't taken place here by this time, that when, you're, when you fast, you're not supposed to let everybody know about it. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it, This passage seems awkward to Western ears because it's hard to figure out the point he's talking about because we live in a different world. Back then, if you were to put um, wine and new wine in an old wineskin, as it fermented, it'll expand and the old wineskin has lost its flexibility. If you uh, put it in a new one, it has more stretching it can do. And the same with cloths. I don't know about you, but my mother put a lot of patches on my clothes growing <laughs> up. Uh, she had these iron-on things that, I don't know, they were, they were made out of metal or whatever. They'd put on my jeans because I'd wear holes in every one of them. Sometimes they'd patch the back mm -hmm. as well. Um, but once you start patching a garment, it's a sign it's going. <laughs> it, is, it is failing. We're just trying to put off the failing. And we look at this and go, so what's his point? I think what he's trying to say, and please jump in there. I think what he's trying to say is my being here changes the equation. When I enter in, it changes everything. Right now is a time of celebration. You're getting close to God. There'll come a day when you'll fast, but today isn't the day. So I'm going to leave it at that and let, because <laughs> you know this passage better than I, and, and, and the culture and history from which it springs, The wines, the teaching around the the, the wineskin is so. Um, we almost in religious circles, especially on the academic side, we almost run from preaching, or on the pulpit side, we run from preaching this. On the academic side, you run to it to break down the text and apply it. Because there's almost, there's almost literally no way getting around what the implication is unless I am willing to be obviously in, in error and expect everyone not to tell me I'm in error. The, the emperor's, you know, the emperor doesn't have on, you know, any clothes. Any yeah. clothes. You know, unless I'm willing to do that, and um, and for those who who are are in a faith tradition th that destroys any other faith tradition, but there's what for wherever you are, however you're grabbing this, in order to get there, you you have to you have to mutilate some scripture. You have to bend something out, and it may just be one thing that you bend. But when that one thing interacts with another sure. passage of Scripture, it now has to bend that passage of Scripture to stay accurate or all of a sudden it loses its power. And so what, 
what starts out as an attack on one little thing ends up becoming a massive attack on what God is doing in his word because we, you, you go from text to text having to make sure that that text now validates wherever yeah. I've been it. And that's where we get into danger because most people don't want to do that. They just want this passage. They want that one right there to do what I need it to do. And, uh, and you can't because somewhere there's going to be a parallel passage or there's going to be an explanation or there's going to be a parable that comes back to this one point, you know, and you, and if you bend this one around, then, well, what about now this is not in line with this other teaching? And so we end up realizing that we can't manage what God has allowed his apostles to bring to us in this word. We, we, can't, we can't manage all that. That's on God. All we can do is open it up and share it and move it forward. But the, the wineskin thing is, is, and I guess people, especially when they were still using animal skins to, um, to make wine in, um, as it as it starts to ferment, it gives off gas, and those skins start expanding. But not only do they expand, they get brittle because of the alcohol that's in that wine. And so when they use it up, they say, okay, well, we have a skin already. Let's pour some more in it and go again because it'll save us some money. Now, a true person who deals with wine and, and mm -hmm. all this will say, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, we're going to waste everything. A person who's on the frugal end and just wants to get to the end or, or get it to, to sell to somebody else, they're going to say, well, I don't see anything with it. Because of that expanding and contracting, okay, the wine skin has to stay fresh. It has to stay pliable. And so as the message of Christ is poured into human vessels, they have to stay pliable. And so you're listening to this podcast because you're trying to stay pliable. You're trying to make sure that you're always usable, that you get down the road where God wants you to be. Somewhere along the line, he doesn't have to take you out of service because you are too brittle. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you are too stressed. You're showing crack marks. You're about to go or either you're unwilling to expand with where God is, is going. And the interesting thing, you said something about um, patches, what your mom used to do. I think your mom, my mom would have been good friends. Because <laughs> everybody in our family, were, we were good friends to patch up and hand me down, yep. you know. Because yeah. I was, the, um, I was the, the third of the son, so I was, I was the, the baby boy. And, um, and we kid now about my oldest brother in a suit. I said, that looks like the suit I graduated in. <laughs> And I'm, I don't think so. My little brother said, well, wait a minute. No, I graduated in that yeah, way. Yeah. Like, go. And, and then all the patches on clothes or his jeans when you get old enough um, were, were my jeans. And those of you that and I know you're laughing about this because if you came up here when money was tight, that was life. Mm -hmm. And you might as well not complain. But I, what I came to mind when you said it is now what used to be a sign of of tight money, you know, and having to make it and not just being able to buy everything you want and living a frugal life. Now that has become a status symbol yeah. of the rich. Now imagine if we could make the ability to be able to expand with Christ a status symbol <laughs> of being able to walk with God. We take that, that same thing and make it, uh, take it to his conclusion so that God can use 
me so that I don't burst, uh, you know, burst mm -hmm. by when you said the, the men set in and crossed their arms. And obviously the body language, when you crossed anything and you're in dialogue, that says you have shut yeah. down yeah. already. You have shut down and all you and you don't care what they say. You're just looking for what you can use to make it what you want it to be. And so here uh, I'm just saying that, you know, fella, you know, guys, ladies, guys, people, you know, you all that are here. Stay with me now. I, I need to pull you through this because you're going to bless other people. You're going to bless people that don't look like you. You're going to bless people who are in another part of the country that are not on the same economic level. They're not in your situation. It's, it's okay, okay mm -hmm. to, to, to do that because the saving power is not in this church that sits on this corner. It's in the Jesus that's yes. in that church on the corner. Uh, uh, and that's what I need you to to remember. And and so this thing uh, uh, coming full circle from from where the clothes that we tried to run away from as soon as we got enough money in our pockets, I'll never want to see these again. And we go by some of the people are going down and paying astronomical amount yeah. of money for a pair of jeans that are ripped up, yeah, yeah. you know, and then saying. I'm good yeah. with with uh, with this. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and and we'll have to land this plane and and come back to this next week. But you're exactly right. We have found the often when you enter a restaurant, the poor most the most poorly dressed individuals the richest. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it it'll change. It's just a fashion for now. Mm -hmm. But thank you for being with us this week, and we will hit this once again uh, because there's some more to be said about this. And I think you're really going to like it. But have a great week. Peace.